Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for joining us here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. Uh, I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Miriam priests um, here, and we are honored that you are with us because we are now back uh, to doing our first Saturdays. I've been, I was out of town last uh, Saturday, first Saturday for October, and we're going to continue walking through the approved Marian apparitions for you. And I have three really amazing, I've gone through all these Marian apparitions. We've been studying them, Chris Sparks and myself. And we're going to take you back to seminary. Because in seminary, we studied Fatima and we studied Lords and we looked at the approved ones, but we're going to go back even farther. And we're going to go back to like uh, two months ago, I took you to Our Lady the Pillar, which was the very first Marian apparition. And this week, we're going to take you to three really special ones. And so stay with us because these are powerful and um, we're excited to share them with you. Let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us that we may open our minds and hearts to know and understand you better so that we can love you better. And through the intercession of our blessed mother Mary, may she bring us to you. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you. We got a, a full shrine here today. We're, we're grateful you could come. Now, if you saw my uh, talk, which is still on YouTube a couple months ago, we talked about the Marian apparitions. Now, I want to go to the first slide, so if Brother Mark can show, there's five categories of apparitions, okay? There are ones that are traditionally accepted way before the Vatican process was established, way back. So we're talking by sacred tradition. Then you have second, Vatican-approved we're going to talk about all those coming up, not today, but in future First Saturdays. Then we have bishop approved. Those are local ones. We're going to talk about those. Then we have ones that are unconfirmed, but in process, like a, a Medjugorje or Garabandal. Then we have rejected, like Bayside and others that we're going to talk about. So stay with us. Now, last time we talked about the uh, Trent had established different aspects of Marian apparitions and that the local bishop was the main authority. So whenever Mary appears in your toast, okay, make sure that you don't go running around telling everybody this is an approved apparition. It starts with the bishop, okay? Now, not until the 1700s though, and this is just a quick review for you, not to the 1700s did we get an approved bishop process, all right? Prior to this time, there had been thousands of reports of Mary appearing, but what did they do? They said that the bishop would have to get involved, and that's what's been going on. The very first one we said a couple weeks, months ago, was Our Lady the Pillar, but you could also say John seeing Mary in Revelation 12, right, in the sky could have been the first Marian apparition. But anyway, there was no official means of investigation until the bishop process <coughs> came later. Typically, the tangible signs that it was an authentic uh, Marian apparition was that they build a church, that a church was built. And all of these we're talking about today, three of them are going to be building, uh, showing a building of a church. 
So later, the bishops would visit, the popes would visit, and that kind of lend credence. Now, some, in the first thousand years of Christianity, Our Lady appeared asking for a shrine to be built. And that's what we're going to hear about today. Today's, we're going to go back over a thousand years to Marian apparitions today. Now, often these things are associated in the first thousand years of tradition, um, including things that are for our faith to grow us and to deepen us in our love for God and our faith. Why? Because Mary leads us to Jesus. Remember, it's not to Mary instead of Jesus. It's to Jesus through Mary. And that's what we have today. So let us begin with one that I think is the most unknown, but most powerful of Marian apparitions. Let's look at our slide. Our Lady of Ian Probably ever heard of that? Our Lady of Ian in Switzerland. Listen to this story. Now, some of this I'm going to read, some of it I'm going to summarize, but the main part I got to read to you because the way it's written is so beautiful. Now, what happened was, this was the miraculous consecration of a hermit's chapel. But listen to this story. All right. Early in the ninth century, let's show our next slide, Brother Mark. This is St. Meinrad. Any of you ever heard of Meinrad Seminary? You know uh, Bishop Barron? He used to be the rector at Meinrad Seminary in Indiana. It's an incredible place. I almost went there myself, um, but God changed direction. I'm now a Marian. And so early in the ninth century, this St. Meinrad, he was a Benedictine monk, He was thrilled when he was given a three-foot wooden statue of our Blessed Mother holding the child Jesus. Now, this was in 828. Now, he became a hermit, and he was living in what they call the dark forest in the uh, country of Switzerland, in the slopes of Mount Etzel. So can you imagine the beautiful area? I'd love to be a hermit there too. And so this is who he was. He was this hermit, right? So anyway, he found at one point, he was all alone, as a hermit is, and he found a nest of two young ravens, which he adopted and he tamed, perhaps because they think the child Jesus in the statue that he was given was holding a bird. Now, this was the tradition of the Black Madonna. You've ever heard of the Black Madonna? We have a picture of it right on the back of our shrine up in the choir loft. So those who are here with us, that's Our Lady of Chestahova. Well, I used to get confused. Well, which one is the Black Madonna? There's over hundreds of them. There's hundreds of Black Madonnas. And so this is one of them, Our Lady of Insadel. Now, St. Meinrad moved then to be a hermit, discovers these little ravens, and spent seven years living at the foot of this mountain, was very happy, was very content, except for one thing. Pilgrims started coming and started to visit him, attracted by his reputation of being a saint. Now, he didn't like all the attention, so he fled from his tiny little cell and took only two things. You can guess, the statue of Our Lady that he was given and his two ravens. So he went farther into the depths of the woods and built a log hut and a chapel 
Now, this was his little hermitage. And he placed Our Lady's statue there and his faithful ravens, he put a cross on a table and his faithful ravens would sit there on each side of the cross. Now, for those of you, we have a full church here today. If you go down to Our Lady of the Lord's Grotto, I want you to look up at the ceiling, up at the top of the cave. There's a bird's nest and it's still there. When I was a novice, 15 years ago, I would go down and I would sit at Our Lady of Lord's Grotto and this little mama bluebird would be in that nest every time I would go down there. And when I would sit and pray, she would fly out of the nest up and sit on Mary's shoulder and just sing. And then whenever I get up to leave, she'd fly back to the nest. So when I read this story, I'm like, wow, I can see that connection. So what happened was um, these little birds, uh, these ravens would be with him. Well, anyway, he went deep into the woods, built this chapel, and um, he watched um, the hermits would actually, excuse me, the ravens would watch this hermit as he worked and prayed. That's all he did. He was completely happy. Now, one day, a lumberjack discovered his little retreat. And he shared it with people. And they said, hey, that's that holy priest. So word got out. He was discovered. And they started coming again, the pilgrims. Well, anyway, one night, the, uh, a brother who was there staying with him heard Meinrad, um, St. Meinrad uh, reciting his office with a seven-year-old boy in white. <clears throat> the boy suddenly appeared, prayed the divine office with them, and then disappeared. So this brother knew that this was Jesus. This is how holy this man was. So anyway, he approached him, and the monk told this brother what was going to happen. He, and these all did happen. After 20 years of prayer and penance, um, he was given a premonition that he was going to die. And so he was saying Mass in his chapel on the morning of January 21st, 861, and God revealed to him that this was going to be his last mass. Wow. So anyway, with perfect resignation to the will of God, he recited it like it was his last mass, like he was receiving viaticum. You know what viaticum is? means your last holy communion. Then with tears of love in his eyes, the old hermit looked up to the statue of Mary and begged Mary to um, offer his death to her son, Jesus. Now, he had lived in the woods with bears and lion, mountain lions, mountain bears, wolves, and never was harmed. Later that night, two criminals showed up, just like he had the premonition. Hearing that people came on pilgrimage, that he figured, these two criminals figured, that he must be hiding treasure in his hermitage. So they came, and on a cold winter night, they made their way through the snow. They found him at his retreat house, and he was just finishing the mass when all of a sudden his ravens began to scream in warning. With a smile and joy, he went out and he welcomed them, knowing that they were the ones projected to take his life. So he gave them some bread and wine. Then they demanded to show that he show them his treasure. 
And he went into his little chapel and he says, I will show you my treasure. This is kind of like uh, the other stories of the saints where they were told to round up the treasure and they got all the poor people and they said, this is the treasure of the church. And anyway, he said, I will show you my treasure. So these two robbers are thinking, we got the gold. And he took them in and he showed them what? The statue of Mary. Well, as you could expect, he said, I have no other treasure. This is the greatest treasure of all. And he folded his hands on his chest, bowed his head, and knew that this was his end. So in a fit of rage, these two um, robbers beat him brutally to death. So he was basically beaten to death. Now the two ravens were flying about, screaming and trying to help their friend, pecking at the robbers, pecking at the eyes of the robbers. So finally, the robbers couldn't take it anymore, and the robbers took off and fled all the way back to Zurich in Switzerland, right? Now, looking around, there was a, a sweet odor, it was reported. Well, anyway, the two ravens, Meinrad's two ravens, chased these two robbers all the way to Zurich, and they confessed everything. So the word got out of what happened, because it didn't come from one of the priests. It came from the criminals themselves, what happened. So anyway, the pilgrims started coming back to this little chapel, and a few of monks, the monks settled there. By now it's the year 906, and they started to restore the chapel, all right? So a guy by the name of St. Eberhard arrived and started building a monastery around this little chapel. His little chapel was only eight by six yards. So what, about 24 feet by about uh, uh, 18 feet. Anyway, they completed the work, and Eberhard, this monk, became the first abbot of Einsiedeln and invited, this is where it gets really good, a bishop named St. Conrad to consecrate the chapel of Our Lady of Hermits. Now, St. Conrad brought the Bishop of Augsburg and many princes and knights of Germany. This is now during the Crusades. All right, so in the eve of the Feast of Exaltation of the Cross, quote, occurred at the shrine of Our Lady of Ansendown, one of the most glorious events in all of the history of the Catholic Church. When I read that, I was like, whoa. This is what was reported. Now, let's look at our slides. This is a picture, if Brother Mark can show it, of the bishop, St. Conrad of Constance. Now, let me read this to you because it's that powerful. They call it one of the most glorious events in the history of the Catholic Church. Suddenly, at exactly midnight, this bishop, St. Conrad, and those with him, so there were more people, and there's a couple seats up front. You guys feel free to come on up here. You can, there's some seats up here. So St. Conrad and those with him began to hear the sound of many harmonious voices chanting a melody of heavenly beauty. Listen to this. Looking up, they all saw with amazement that the sanctuary of the chapel was filled with a brilliant light that made everything clearer and brighter than the sun, and that the altar was completely illuminated as for a festival. Then they saw coming down from heaven a magnificent procession of angels 
led by St. Michael. Then some of them formed the choir and were chanting celestial psalms, while others bearing swinging golden censers took their places before the altar. After the angels came St. Peter with a crozier in his hand. Now think about this for a minute. You're a bishop with a whole entourage. You're there to bless this little chapel. And you are not the only one who sees this. Everybody there has just seen heaven now coming to this little chapel. So after St. Michael followed St. Peter, who entered into the chapel with a crozier in his hand, followed by St. Matthew, then St. Mark, then St. Luke, then St. John, who preceded three great doctors of the church, St. Gregory, St. Augustine, and then came in St. Ambrose. Then came vested as deacon and subdeacon were the martyr saints Lawrence and Stephen. And finally, just picture this, as high priest arrayed in pontifical vestments and wearing a violet chasuble, there appeared in all his splendor, in his divinity, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then, as a breathtaking climax, just before God the Son began the Mass, can you imagine being there? <laughs> Think about this. Just before God the Son began the Mass that was to consecrate this holy shrine forever to his Immaculate Mother, Mary herself took her place above the altar of her chapel, just like we have here at the National Shrine. Radiant, with dazzling glory, and attended by her train of angelic spirits. Here's a picture, if Brother Mark can show it on the screen. Can you even imagine witnessing this? Can you even imagine seeing this? Again, this is on our YouTube channel. I apologize if you came in late. This is on our YouTube channel. You can see this broadcast on YouTube later after this talk if, if you are here in person. So here is an incredible event so in speechless awe, St. Conrad followed every detail of the Mass. He, and if we could turn the sound down, please. He observed with detailed attention every detail of the solemn ceremony. The ritual prescribed by the church for the consecration of the temple was exact. Exact that, except that at the Sanctus, the angels sang, Holy God, have mercy on us. Notice. Have mercy. Have mercy on us in the court of the glorious virgin. Blessed be the son of Mary who has come to this place and who is to reign for ages of ages. For more than an hour, this continued. Again, I can't even imagine it. You can't even imagine what seeing something like this would be. And this is what is in heaven. This is what heaven is. So more than an hour later, having formally dedicated the shrine to his blessed mother under the title of Our Lady of the Hermits, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, 
returned in all his majesty to heaven with his distinguished company of angels and saints. Wow. Wow. The beautiful living virgin, Mother Mary, vanished too, leaving in her place a lovely statue. The singing ceased, the bright light was magically extinguished, and soon the newly consecrated shrine was, to all outward appearances, exactly as it was before, except that Mary had left this statue. I've got to go there. Somehow, I'm going to get there. If that's the last thing I do before I die, I'm going to get there. So the saintly bishop, St. Conrad, remained kneeling for hours in ecstatic meditation over the marvels he just saw. Later that morning, he was to begin the actual dedication ceremony because more people were coming from all around. Still deeply moved, he declared that the chapel was already consecrated by God himself. And the people who were with them that saw it said, yes, it was consecrated. Well, all the new people coming in, I mean, that would be like me saying, Father Kaz, honestly, I don't need to do this because God already did it. Father Kaz would be like, nah, you're going to do it again. So all these other bishops are coming from all around Switzerland and Austria and they arrive in the morning and they're ready to consecrate. He's like, this has already been consecrated directly by Jesus himself. And they're like, no, you're going to do it again. So by those who didn't witness it. So then another supernatural event happened. As the bishop put his foot on the altar, the first step, because he gave in, he was going to like, okay, they're going to demand I consecrate it again. And suddenly a voice that everyone heard, not just the guys that were there the night before, but everyone heard a strong and oppressive voice, which everyone present heard exclaimed, stop, brother, this chapel has been divinely consecrated by my son. They did a full investigation and the highest civil and ecclesiastical authorities in Rome got involved. They interviewed, they came, and in the year 964, in the presence of the German Emperor Otto, can you imagine, and St. Conrad, who was still the bishop, His Holiness Pope Leo VIII issued a bull confirming the miraculous event. How come we never hear about this? How come we don't teach our kids this? If you could picture being there, you'd be blown away. So let's now take a picture of today. This is in Schnellden, the picture on your screen, the monastery and the church. Look how beautiful that is in Switzerland. It has become one of the most popular pilgrimage centers in all of Europe. I bet you didn't even know it. We don't hear about it. For the past nine centuries, it has been famous in Europe especially with Catholics in Germany, Austria, Italy, and Switzerland, as the shrine that our Lord performs many miracles. As many as 200,000 pilgrims each year visit this place. The church has suffered many disastrous fires, and surprisingly, people thought that the statue was destroyed in the French Revolution. Ah, the French Revolution. And they discovered that it was not. They put an imposter statue and they hid the real one. They hid the real statue in the basement. 
So the present Basilica and the monastery are one of the most impressive religious monuments in all of Europe. And we never hear about it. Then in 1854, the Benedictine monks from this abbey in Switzerland came and founded St. Meinrad's in Indiana. If you ever are in Indiana, go see St. Meinrad's. It was built by these monks that came from Switzerland. It is gorgeous. And one of my good friends, uh, Zach Chichester, uh, who's a priest in the uh, Albany Diocese, he went there. And it, it's just amazing. So anyway, in 1861, Benedictine monks solemnly celebrated the thousandth anniversary of the death of St. Meinrad. And then on September 14, 1948, they marked their 1,000th anniversary of this consecration. Wow. What a play. I, there are so many stories like this. Please join us every Saturday. I got time for one. I hope maybe two more before we have to go into the, into the uh, Saturday events here. But let's now talk about, if you're from England, and uh, Teresa, I know you write me a lot online. You're from England. You've been saying, Father, when are you going to do Our Lady of Walsington? When are you going to do Our Lady of Walsington? Right now. Because this is a very special one. So that was the first one we wanted to cover today, Ian Zeldorn, uh, and now we're going to talk about England, Our Lady of Walsington. What happened? Let's have Brother Mark show the screen. This is an incredible picture. Now, I'm going to have Brother Mark leave it up. You can freeze frame after we post this video and watch. I don't have time to walk through the significance of that image of Our Lady but talking about her, her crown, her scepter, her rings, the pointing, uh, the seat of wisdom, the, um, the rainbow. You know what an arc stands for? An arc stands for the rainbow, which is not LBGTQXYZ. It is the symbol of God's grace given to mankind for a new creation. So this has all significant meanings. The pillars on the side, regarding the pillars of the house of God. Um, I can't go through all this right now, but you can see it when we repost this. It'll be posted up. You can pause it, and you can um, see all of the details given in this image as she is seated there with her son. Fascinating. Now, let's go and talk about what happened. In 1061, a widow of Little Walsington in Norfolk, England, named Richeldis, prayed to Our Lady asking her how she could help honor her more in some special way. All right, now, Mary led this lady in spirit to Nazareth and showed her the house of the Annunciation. Now, Mary told her to take measurements of this house and to have another one built just like it in Walsingham for the people of England who were losing their faith. It would be a place where people could come to honor her and, most of all, her son. Excuse me, especially in the mystery of the Annunciation was Mary's joy in saying yes. So this is what this lady was going to honor in our Blessed Mother. Now, this was the time of the Crusades, okay? So it was a glowing time of interest and sights in the Holy Land. Now, Mother Mary said, I want a new Nazareth in England itself, built by one of her own women. This was the Rusheldis, this woman. 
So let's look at our next slide. Here's a picture of the shrine at Walsington. Very humble, very simple. Monks took over the house and enshrined it in a special chapel within a larger church. Pilgrims began to come from all over England and all over Europe. Now, from the time of Henry III, nearly all the kings and queens visited Walsingham. Many ordinary people came seeking healing and help from the Blessed Mother. Now, Walsington, this little tiny humble chapel, started to rank with Rome, Jerusalem, and St. James de Compostello. You know the way in, England, in Spain? For importance for a pilgrimage. However, the shrine was destroyed during the Reformation by a fire. It was rebuilt in the 20th century. But listen to the significance of what happened. And we Marians are part of this. This was the writings of Joseph Pierce, who wrote about Our Lady of Walsington, believe it or not, just last year, March 25th, 2020. Listen to this. Something is stirring in England. It's not much, a still small voice of calm whispering in the dark, prayers ascending like incense, but it is a rekindled faith. No, it's not huge, just a mustard seed. It won't be noticed by many people. It will go unheeded by the dead men milling around satanically in what remains of England's once great green and pleasant land. And yet, it stirs the restless hearts of those Englishmen who languished in the hope of England's return to the faith. Longing for the return of the exiled pilgrim queen. Who's the pilgrim queen? Mary. Of whom St. John Newman wrote. The pilgrim queen is Our Lady of Walsingham, whose shrine nestled in a Norfolk village was once, the major, was once one of the major places of pilgrimage in all of Christendom. She was England's queen and England was her dowry. Such was the pious belief of the English people in the days of merry old England. Then came the monster, Henry VIII, who destroyed the shrine <clears throat> and the abbeys clustered around it. And then after three centuries of brutal persecution, it seemed as though Henry's iconoclastic legacy would be the destruction of the faith itself in England. Only a remnant remained. A few thousand noble souls whose families had passed on the faith generation to generation across the abyss of centuries of religious persecution. Only a few, but a happy few remained. Then, when all seemed lost, the conversion of John Henry Newman in 1845 heralded a new Catholic revival. For the next century, tens of thousands of adult converts crossed the Tiber. Notably among them were the likes of Gerard Manley Hopkins, Oscar Wilde, G.K. Chesterton, Ronald Knox, Evelyn Wow, Graham Greene, Alec Guinness, and Malcolm Muggeridge. And then, 
post-Vatican II, this exciting and exhilarating revival seemed to fail. And now, when all once again seem lost, something again is stirring. This is where we Marians come into play. Over the past two years, now he's talking in 2020, the statue of Our Lady Walsington has been traveling the length and breadth of the country, visiting every one of England's Catholic cathedrals. The pilgrim queen, Mary, long in exile, has returned and is the inspiration and the focus of a mission to pray for the re-evangelization of England and her conversion. Known as the Dowry Tour in recognition of England's traditional title of Our Lady's Dowry. And what's a dowry? You know, usually you think of the, the groom had to pay um, a fee to the bride's family to marry the bride. A dowry is the opposite. A dowry is where the bride brings the money to the groom. So this is Mary bringing her belongings to her son to the Holy Spirit, her spouse. And what is Mary bringing? England. England. That's why they call it the dowry of Mary. She's bringing all of the English people, the property, the, the, the countryside. So now, this is the queen pilgrimage to all four corners of her realm has been accompanied by an invitation to all Catholics in England to renew their personal consecration to our Lord and our Lady. They are doing this in their local parishes through communal acts of preparation for consecration to Jesus through Mary, accompanied by pledges to go to regular confession and pray the Angelus and Rosary in communion with the saints and martyrs of England through their invocation. They are getting ready for a renewal of England. And guess what happened? He wrote this on March 20th, 2020, March 25th, 2020. We Marians, led by Tad Floridus, uh, Father Mike and others were going to be up there, but Tad said all of England was getting ready to consecrate, reconsecrate. We were going to go up there. Tad was telling us this huge thing was starting and it was going to be a renewal of the entire nation of England. And it got canceled by COVID. I think our Lord is allowing us to test, to be tested, that we don't lose hope it was canceled by COVID, but I'm not going to use the word canceled. It was temporarily delayed. Let us pray. There are, they were on the cusp of something huge, and we Marians were part of this. 33 days to morning glory for Marian Press. It was going to be huge. Father Mike and, 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 and Tad were getting ready to go up there, and I'm telling you, to change England and Europe. Not that we do it, it's God, obviously, but he can use us broken tools. And it was canceled, temporarily delayed. I'm telling you, we can still do it. From February 21st, 2020, England's Catholics were to begin a personal 33-day consecration to Jesus through Mary, following either the Marians' 33 days of morning glory or St. Louis de Montfort, concluding on March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. Four days later, on March 29th, 2020, England will be formally rededicated to Mary at Westminster Cathedral in London and in Walsingham. At 
Also, the other cathedrals of England and in many parishes and homes, this ceremony follows the original dedication of England to Our Lady by Richard II in 1381. Was that Richard the Lionhearted? I'll have to look that up. A high point in English history. Wow. England's rediscovery of her Catholic roots can change the world. All of those listening from England... Stand up. Our lady's calling. <laughs> so <clears throat> the rededication of the country to be exiled, program, uh, pilgrim queen, are causes for great joy, as are the prophecies about England's future made by two 19th century saints. Listen to this. John Vianney, the curie of ours in France, was visited by the Archbishop of Birmingham in England in 1854. And John Vianney declared to the Archbishop, as though we were making an act of faith, that he believed the church in England someday, and I believe that day is now, would recover its ancient splendor. Then, St. Dominic, Dominic Savio, if you've ever heard of him, as the young, young saint, the protege of St. John Bosco, asked John Bosco in 1856 to pass a message to the reigning Pope Pius IX that he should not lessen his special care for England because God is preparing a great triumph for the church through Our Lady in that country. And we Marians need to stand and get back ready to do this. In explanation, St. Dominic told St. John Bosco that he had received a vision in which he saw a misty plain and heard a voice declaring that this is England. He then saw a figure wearing pontifical robes coming toward him, holding a huge flaming torch in his hand. He then heard the same voice tell him that this torch is the Catholic faith, which is to illumine England. One other saint who had a vision of the restoration of the faith in England was St. John Henry Newman. It takes great faith to believe that the splendor of the Catholic faith can ever be restored to a nation which has strayed so far from the goodness, the truth, and the beauty which comes from God. But we have hope. It might take more than great faith. It might even take a miracle of God. But we believe. It will certainly take the intercession of the saints and the prayers of all the saints and most all of you. England was there with us. Yes, yes, that's a, that's, a very good, that's a very good prayer intention. England was there with us, stood with us in the times of World War I, World War II. Let us now stand with England. Our lady is calling. Let us not let her down. And he finishes by saying, it will certainly take the intercession of the saints, the prayers of great saints, and most of all, us. Our Lady of Welsingham, Pilgrim Queen, pray for the conversion of England. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I apologize. I am not going to have time to do Our Lady of Ransom, Our Lady of Mercy. But this means you got to come back next first Saturday, the first Saturday in December, because we're going to talk about Our Lady of Ransom. This is an incredible story in Spain, what we now call Our Lady of Mercy. And her feast day was September 24th. We Marians celebrate Our Lady of Mercy November 16th. 
But I didn't know about September 24th. Father Bob and I were talking. Is that the old calendar? And then I started researching. I never learned this in seminary. And I started looking how she formed the Mercedarians, a religious order to free the slaves and offer themselves as slaves instead. Can you imagine? These priests and brothers formed a community and your goal was to become a priest or brother in the Mercedarians to ultimately give yourself in exchange to free a Christian slave. And you would become that slave. Incredible story. Stay with us next month as we talk about this and what Our Lady did. So I have a video to that one, but I'll have to show that next week. So right now, what we're going to do, and I apologize this went long, but can you get more incredible stories than those? These are what our faith is all about. Our faith is not worshiping Mary. Our faith is going to Jesus through Mary. That is what our faith is all about. And so today, why are you here? You are here to do this. We're going to offer as one of our intentions the conversion of England. We're going to offer as our intention the protection of the United States and all over the world. Wherever you are watching from, offer your country. If you're in Portugal, if you're in Brazil, if you're in, I'm getting them now from the Middle East, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, pray for your country. And we're going to offer it to Our Lady right now. If everybody from all the countries around the world did this, we would change the world. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.